Time to stop the chaos. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time to stop the chaos now. On Fundraising Heyday, we talk a lot about how grant seeking gets more complex every year. Make 2023 the year you finally get a system to track grant deadlines and information. It's time to stop the chaos with Grant Holster. It was developed for grant professionals by grant professionals, which makes all the difference. First month is always free. And Grant Holster is giving our listeners a 25% discount on the entire first year of your subscription. Just enter Heyday, all one word, H-A-Y-D-A-Y, as your coupon at checkout, and you'll get that amazing discount. And they have a hands-on demo at grantholster.com that lets you explore the platform on your own. But if you want someone to walk you through it, they also have folks that can do that. So if you've been struggling with spreadsheets, clunky applications with a million workarounds, or just keeping your deadlines on sticky notes, head over to grantholster.com and take a look. And remember to enter the coupon code HEYDAY at checkout to get your 25% discount for a full year. And stop the chaos. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, hello there. I am Kimberly Hayes-Day And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to Season Season 6 of the the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. Um, We're here for many different reasons today. (laughs) Lots of reasons. But we are here. A hundred reasons. A hundred reasons. We are here to help you make sense of the complex world of grant writing and fundraising. Yes! <laughs> including how to raise funds, win grants, and work together to change philanthropy for the better! And new episodes will be dropping every other week. And of course, there's going to be silly sound effects, songs. Um, for those of you watching live today, there's going to be some... going to be some really tacky accessorizing. <laughs> Okay. If you're just listening, you might want to head over to YouTube and check us out because yeah, we're here for the 100th episode. We are here. Because learning doesn't have to be boring, y'all. This podcast is brought to you by our season six sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Their team can help make grants less stressful by assisting you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Don't let grants stress you out. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com. Check it out today. It's a big day for Fundraising Heyday. Woohoo! It's our one- Hundredth episode. I can't believe we didn't write a song for this. It's we the hundredth episode. We may be just a little full of ourselves today. So, yeah, but uh, we're excited. You've either whether you're a first time listener or if you've been with us since episode if one. You're, if you're a first time listener, gosh, I am sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is not normal. <laughs> or is it? What is it? No, it's not. So um, give us one second as we, uh, are we ready to? I think we're ready for um, not the final countdown, but the final costume change. So if you're listening um, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Podbean or our website, hold please. Yes. 
Uh, if you're only listening, yeah, there are masks and lots of shiny, frilly things were involved in our look. Oh. But it's time to let go of that. So oh, I can breathe the hair. again. It's, it's, so, it's hard work being that glamorous. I it is. Just... <sighs> there we go. Okay, so, Kimberly, be honest. When we first dropped season one in November of 2018, way back in time, did you think we had 100 episodes in us? Honey, 100 episodes. We have 1,000 episodes. <laughs> we have not yet begun to fight. I am so not worried about our content. <laughs> okay, I'll be honest. And this is one of those things where... <laughs> opposites attract. Why we work so well together is, even though I was the one who asked... It was her idea. But I was so limited in, I was just thinking it's a how-to. And after a while, you do run out of how-to. So I never would have imagined we'd have this many episodes. But you were the one that were like, oh, honey, how-tos is just part of it. An important part. It is. But you're like, we've got, there's things that we need to fix. There's things we need to rant about. And burn down. I don't know. (laughs) And rebuild and renew and restructure and rethink and then do it all again. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been such a. It's just been so fun. It's been a wild ride. A good ride. And it's not over yet. Clearly not. We got 900 more episodes to go, apparently. Like a fine Toyota Corolla or Honda Civic. <laughs> we just We're keep just on getting trying. warmed up at 100,000. <laughs> You're just getting warmed up. We're just getting warmed up. Coming, oh. in, coming into our own. Coming into our stride. I'm here for it. We're feeling it. Yes. I like it. Yes. So. I was, of course, thinking beyond 100 episodes because there's just so many things to talk about and so many things to explore that are related to grants, related to fundraising, related to the workplace, related to consulting practice, related to life and leadership skills and all the good things. Um, I could make a list, but the list would be way too long. So just rest assured that um, we're going to be sharing a few lists. Yes. On social media, right? Yeah. Different platforms, different ideas. Do we want to talk about those things? Well, right we're just going to share some of our like top five favorite episodes yeah. and guests and different things like that. So they'll we, we haven't nailed it all down yet, but yes, there'll be some lists of favorite things over yeah. the years and, and books too. Oh, books always books. We're going to make it. We have we'll have a list of all the because any episode with a book in it is is going to you know it's always going to be attractive to me. But um, we're going to have um, a book list of the books that were mentioned in most, most all of the books that were mentioned as far as I could find in our episode since 2018. Yeah. So if you want to go back in time and go check them out, you can do that. Yes. So, um, so check out all of the lists and all the things. And if you have some favorites that um, either we overlooked or maybe you agree with our lists, be sure to let us know because we love to hear back from our readers. I know the one, readers, listeners. I'm, I'm on the book. Readers, book listeners, whatever, whoever and however you are. If you're watching and you saw the silver stuff, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but I'm not sorry because I thought we looked great. But um, losing my train of thought and getting it back now, I am saying that one of my favorite podcasts, I won't call it out by name, but it's the one where we both cried. Yes. I'm just saying. I know and, that, and that that that's in the top five lists. Mm. Yes. So um, but there it wasn't not crying, a bad cry. Not it a was bad a good cry. cry. It was a, it was a happy, um, joyful moment. Yes. It was a beautiful moment, which was so unexpected. Um, those many years ago when we were sitting over lunch with some spectacular onion rings and a killer kale salad. Um, I think maybe you had a burger. I'm not sure. Yes. And um, yin yang vegetarian yeah, meat lover. Yeah. Um, a little bit 
a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll, taking you back. So um, <laughs> over the years, we're talking about evaluation today. Yeah, well. that is today's topic, by the way. We're you not know, just talking about the 100th episode. We're not just talking about sales, although no. we're going to talk about evaluation. Yeah. Um, but in getting to our 100th episode of the podcast, we're talking about evaluation as it pertains to programming, particularly in grant um, reporting, mm-hmm. post-award management, going over some things, sharing some stories about things over the years, challenges, tips, et cetera, et cetera. But we also thought we could use um, this episode as sort of, uh, as we, you're, we're using those same evaluation techniques to look at the podcast. Yes. Yep. So one of the things. Um, There's lots of things we yeah, use to evaluate yeah, yeah, a podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, one of the things we're looking at, or we do look at regularly now, we just have, we have um, qualitative and quantitative measures. We'll be talking about that yes, later. But do. for the podcast, as in program evaluation, we, we're looking at um, also numbers served. And in our case, for podcasts, that's number of downloads. First week, first month, over the year, what's the biggest, um, where our audience is coming from, who our listeners are, who we serve. Um, it might not surprise you that the largest audience is from the United States. What? I know, shocker. But and back in, within the United States, guess where the biggest state where most of our listeners are from? You want to take any guesses? California, Georgia. No, really? Florida. Florida, what? Yeah, so shout out to our Florida, Sunshine Florida. State listeners. Wow. Do you think Florida Man is listening? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Florida man found listening to fundraising, listening to fundraising heyday while rolling down the street in a shopping cart uh, with a firecracker. And now know. no one from Florida listens to us anymore. Sorry, so. I'm sorry. <laughs> but y'all have to admit that Florida man is special because I want to point out that there's not a Georgia man True. or Georgia woman. True that. I mean, and there's plenty of crazy here. and There's plenty of eccentricity, but there's something special about Florida. There so is. thank you, Florida listeners. <laughs> um. But we also have people tuning in from, okay, from Canada, mm-hmm. from, I'm looking, I'm going to glance at my list because it's hard for me to believe. United Kingdom, okay. Uh, okay, that's not hard to believe. Makes sense. Um, India, okay. Okay, Mongolia and Italy. <laughs> yeah. Hello. We are happy that you're listening to us. We wonder yeah. if someone's, is someone using a VPN network and just routing it somewhere? I don't, I have no idea. And I mean, there's tons of other countries, but, but those are the top but, ones. I mean, and I'm, shout out Mongolia. Hey, <laughs> we're here for you. We are here for you. Um, so we want to see where people are coming from, who we're serving yeah. uh, as a part of an evaluation. And so uh, in a more qualitative way, then we want to look at, you know, what are people's thoughts and feelings and experiences? And one of the ways we gather that is by reviews mm-hmm. on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you'd like to contribute to that qualitative research, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Um, also, we have feedback from um, social media posts. Yep. Another way we're gathering that sort of more qualitative data, um, subjective people's thoughts, feelings, and opinions. Um, email responses, in-person responses. It was the first time in in uh, November of 2022, mm-hmm. we had been, I mean, Seattle the year before at the Grand Professionals Association's National Annual Conference was a little, is a little different. It yeah, was it was a very small, small. small. Yeah. But this year was the first, uh, 2022 rather, November was the first time we'd gone back in person. And I had some, we all, we, just surprising yes. and wonderful um, in-person feedback and response. Meetings so, and, yeah. So. It was really good. Yes. It was really good. So 
again, if you're talking about evaluation, there are just a lot of different ways to kind of, I was going to say slice that onion. Is that a thing? Yeah. Okay. Peel the onion. Slice it. Peeling, Peel slicing. There's a way to onionize almost everything. <laughs> onionize. And onion rings are delicious. And onion rings were what we were eating when we decided to start the podcast. So there you have it. Okay. Another way we're measuring is also, um, are there other, we have diverse revenue streams and how is that working out? We have sponsors that have supported our work and people who have purchased ads and companies that have purchased ads tracking that. That's another way we're looking at how we're doing in terms of how different communities are stepping forward to support us. And those are all some key components of the podcast evaluation. Another way that we evaluate it is to check in with each other about whether or not we want to keep doing this. And the answer yes. so far has been yes mm -hmm. since 2018. And I'm making light of it, but that's also an important part of evaluation is yeah. looking at if Should you will, we still keep doing this? Is there the value? staff? How can we change it? How can we make it better? So I think that we've talked a little bit about quantitative and qualitative. That's kind of a process evaluation too. Yeah. Not only is our what is our own personal satisfaction out of it. What are ways we can improve? Because we always are looking to improve any good evaluation yeah. of any program. That's what you're looking for. Yep. So evaluation is just an important component of any program you're doing from podcasts to grant programs to any kind of type of programs for your organization. Um, and even if it's even if you don't have to formulate formally, I'm trying to combine formally formally. I'm here. Even, for you. I was trying to formally. She's okay. She's okay. She's okay. Formally <laughs> evaluate. <laughs> Words. This is why I'm a great writer some days because I can fix those things. It's all good. Formally evaluate your program, even if it doesn't have to be formal. It's always a good idea to evaluate what it is you're doing. Because, like Kimberly said with the podcast, we need to check it every year. Like, are we both still getting out of what we're putting into it? Because if the answer is no, we either need to change something, yep. or we may need to stop doing it. Right. So, same thing with your programs. Are you still? Are they working the way they're supposed to? Are they helping the people they're and supposed to be and helping? And how have the needs changed? Which yes. is going to be pretty likely. Yeah. So so that's why we're covering evaluations today. Because yes, vital to grants, but yep. also any work you're doing, evaluation should be considered. I'm laughing because you've got glitter in your eyebrows. Do your <laughs> My glittery mask. <sighs> it's good times. <laughs> so when you're thinking about the purpose of evaluation, we've, we've covered some key components of it. But every grant, as Amanda said, every grant should have some kind of evaluation built into it. Really what drives the extent of it is how big the program is, how big the budget is. If you have a federal grant um, evaluating, if it's a Department of Education grant about curriculum evaluation, you're going to have a crap ton mm -hmm. of evaluation dollars and third-party evaluation where you're not evaluating your own program because, well, that would be like, yes, the curriculum I wrote is doing great. Thank it's beautiful. you. May exactly. I have another $10 million grant? I mean, I'm not saying yes. everybody does that, but, you know. It's probably happens. Yeah. So um, whether it's that kind of grant, that large scale, or whether it's something really small or like a $2,000 grant to improve the um, storage facility of the your church's food pantry. Yeah. There needs to be some kind of evaluation component, formal or informal. Most funders are going to want to know whatever scale, whatever scale. And I would say a lot of individual donors would like to know if they're contributing toward a particular cause yeah. versus just supporting the mission of the organization. Um, mainly the questions you want to have answered are, my, my favorite is, how will you measure success? And it's like, Measuring success is super important and to have things in place, but also you want to measure failure because really 
So, that's what you learn from. That's what you learn from. You can feel really good about success and you can learn from it too. But addressing being able to honestly get at what is working and what isn't working and looking at the whys behind things. Yeah. That's kind of what evaluation is all about. Mm-hmm. And um, most all, I'll say this because anytime I say, no funder will ever. Then someone's going to be like, well, in I'm... 1985, <laughs> I worked with a funder. But then I'm like, I feel you. I support you. But I've never worked with a funder that has said, if this program fails, we're pulling funding. And yeah. we, we don't want to know you anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you? No. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it hadn't happened. I think it might happen a lot more with maybe like major donors who give with strings attached, but there's mm-hmm. no formal agreement agreement that that maybe that's it but basically most funders just they want the ideas to succeed and again we're talking about programs versus buying a piece of equipment well and i think with people funders taking things because your program failed it wasn't solely because your program failed it was probably because it failed and you weren't doing reporting on time someone stole the money someone stole the money i mean there there was there was a lot of things but if you do everything else right you report on time you're honest you're truthful and everything that's that's happening all you're reporting all the things accurately but it's just not working i don't think 99.999 percent of funders are not going to yank your funding because of that because they all know anytime you submit a grant it's Mm -hmm. it's your best guess based on experience and knowledge and track records you know or sometimes it's a Sometimes they want pilot programs that are brand new initiatives that nobody's ever tried because they want to try something new. Maybe and, it works. And, and, and if it works, everyone can find brilliant. out about if it. If it doesn't, then no one else needs to do it. Or yeah, or lessons learned, here's how we improve it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's basic, it's basic, basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see where it can be very frightening for people who are not familiar with it or yeah. who have the fear that funding is going to be pulled and reputations will be sullied if the program isn't perfect. And again, yeah. I'm not talking about like criminal... Um, misuse yes. of funds and supplanting and commingling and just straight up stealing. Yeah. We have other podcast episodes that deal with that. Yeah. But this is just regular evaluation. I think the a key take home is to not be afraid of the outcomes. And any funder that only wants positive all the time and is not really a funder that's in touch with the kind of reality that I've experienced in my Absolutely. So yeah, so generally funders are going to want to know, did you do what you said you were going to do? And did you meet your goals and objectives? That's ultimately what you're evaluating at the end of the day. Yes, you can evaluate all kinds of things, yep. but ultimately it boils down to that. So the time to figure out what your evaluation is going to look like is not after you've gotten the grant. Like <laughs> you probably aren't going to get the grant if you haven't figured it out. Yeah, because most of them they're going to ask about it. Yes. As well, they should. Yes. So you want to figure that out before you yeah. submit the application. So one of the things you should ask is, you know, how are we going to handle handle the evaluation? Are we going to do it in-house? Yeah. Or are we going to hire a third-party evaluator? Although right? sometimes that's decided for you for these big grants. Absolutely. So that's the first step is looking, does the funder dictate how it's done? Because if the funder says hire a third-party evaluator, that's what you're doing. Well, I mean, you got to be just tall to ride the ride. Exactly. Um, but if they don't tell you, then it's up to you. And it's usually, it's a decision your organization has to make based on, do you have the people that can do the evaluations in-house? Do they have the time? Do they have the resources? All those sorts of things, right? Um, everywhere I've worked, even with all the clients I've worked with, I have always done in-house evaluations. But I have not worked at 
K-12 school systems. I haven't, haven't worked at a large university. Research hospitals. No, I haven't done any of that sort of thing. So like when I worked in local government, we always evaluated in-house, but typically we're doing projects like maybe we're doing a DUI task force. And so we're trying to reduce the number of DUIs taking place, right. number of DUI-related accidents, injuries, and fatalities in our community. Well, to evaluate that, we're going to put our program in place, and then we're hoping that the number of those things go down, right? We're going to increase arrests so we can decrease accidents, injuries, and fatalities. Yeah. Well, to evaluate that, we look at our baseline year. We've got all of our data. And we have the data because police officers have to report on this. So it's we've got it all. And then we do the program, and then we crunch the numbers again, and we can see, do they go up, down, stay the same, what happens? So programs like that, pretty easy to evaluate in-house because we've got the wherewithal, we've got mm -hmm. the information at our fingertips, everything we need, we can do. So there's a lot of that data, like public access data, uh, some of it like crime statistics and things. It may not be like you can go straight to the website and get it, but you, you can, can always through... I mean, that makes a difference in terms of accountability. Yes. Well, they, I mean, they have to report this data to, I think, FBI and different things. There's, there's certain things like that are mandated by the state. So okay. yeah, so it's the stuff we have to, do anyway so yeah so it may be one of those things where you're like we already have the ability like when we would do um maybe adding lanes to a road because we're trying to um increase people's ability to quickly get through mm -hmm. you know from point a to point b well our engineers on staff could measure traffic and could tell you it takes you on average 30 minutes to get from here to here we do our project they remeasure the traffic and now it's only taking us 15 minutes. Is that what those little blinky things are with the little things you drive over the little the little wires? Yes they they can measure time they can measure um, all coming clear. traffic counts and oh yeah that's mm -hmm. what whenever you go with those little holes on the road there you go so again it's a decision to make in-house yep, hiring somebody if you do hire an evaluator um a lot of times the grants will pay for it if you have to hire an outside evaluator so i would also say make sure to build that into your cost yes that which gets back to your point of think about it while you're writing it and and don't just put a sentence in like we will use qualitative and quantitative methods to assess the effectiveness of the program, and we will, at the end of each grant cycle, evaluate the results and use that to improve our program. Not that I've ever written anything like that before, and actually I haven't, yeah. but I've reviewed things like that. And I'm like, you all have to be a little more specific than that. Mm -hmm. And also yeah. making sure that it ties into the goals and objectives. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but that's like a thing of mine is to make sure that your evaluation, you're not under-evaluating or over-evaluating, yes. that it fits mm -hmm. in with the available resources in the scope of the program. Absolutely. And it measures something tangible and for important, important. It measures something important. I have no idea what I was going to <laughs> important say. Important and, uh, uh, and formally and important. Yes. It doesn't matter. That it measures something. I'm rubbing off on her today. I know, right? It's like, <laughs> hmm, where did that come from? <gasps> what did I have at lunch? I'm feeling funny. Amanda did keep giving me little bits of chocolate. Hmm. I'm not sure. I, I, don't, I don't know what the problem is. So what, so, are, so yes. what are some other things that folks well, need to think about? Well, think about if you are going to hire an outside evaluator, um, that sometimes it can be hard. That when I've taught uh, teaching, when I've taught teaching classes, when I've taught grant writing classes and we cover this part, a lot of times people will say, we had the hardest time finding a good evaluator. How do we do that? Um, and a couple of recommendations I would always make is, first of all, you could put it out to bid just like you would anything else. And if you don't work in the local government world, that may not be something you're used to, but you can advertise and say, hey, we're looking for somebody to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Please submit a proposal. Um, so you may 
get some traction that way. Um, if you've got a college or university anywhere near you, oftentimes mm-hmm. people on staff there do that on the side. So that's a great way is to reach out that way. Um, ask organizations that are similar to you. You know, if, you, if you're a K-12 school system, ask the school system one county over like, hey, have you had a good evaluator recently? If so, do you mind sharing their information? Um, I'd also say too there, because there is an organization for everybody. An association for everything. Absolutely. There is one called the American Evaluation Association and their website is eval, E-V-A-L, dot org. And you can go there and up at the very top, there's a button you can push called find an evaluator. And you can look based on where in the country they're located, what their subject matter expertise is, all kinds of different keyword searches. And this does not constitute our wholehearted recommendation of any and everyone on the oh, list. No, 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 We're no, just no. giving you information. I, the only reason, the only thing you have to do to be on that list is to be a member of their organization. Yeah. So I could join today. Would you want to hire me for your higher ed curriculum development evaluation? No, you would not because I know nothing about that. Um, so that's a good way to find evaluators. You still need to do your homework and yeah. figure out like, you know, get past experience, get, you know, references, get their resume. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what you're supposed to do to find somebody good to yeah, hire. Just but, like any, any sort of job yes. or any sort of contract. But them just being on the list does not make them an expert. Just but there are, there are experts on that list. That's true. So, um, and if you're, again, if you're going to do it in-house, I highly recommend you figure out before you submit that grant, who is going to be the one responsible or what team of people is going to be responsible for collecting the data. Because I tell you from uh, previous years experience, if you don't, everybody's going to assume that you're doing it. Well, you're the well, grant person. Common. You're it's the grant person. Common. Yeah. And it's like, right, Holmes. I am the grant person. That's an old one. That's, I'm a grant person not an evaluation person. Yeah. So if you Or and they don't even have to be an evaluation person. But again, going back to my examples, if if I'm doing traffic counts, I have no idea how to do that. That's why the engineers that I worked with were the ones doing the traffic counts. They needed to be doing it, collecting the data. Now could I take that data, put it in pretty charts and submit it to the funder in the way that they wanted it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Team, teamwork. Is- Someone else is gathering. The yes. Data. So figure that out early on. I'm just telling and don't you. Make, don't make, unless you just really want to, don't, you don't have to let it all default to you. I think that's a take home message. Because Absolutely. That's happened. And yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. There you and go. That's a great career development, personal growth opportunity. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, so as I alluded to earlier, when we we're talking about qualitative and quantitative, those are sort of the main games and evaluation. Sometimes it's called formative and summative, and then there's process in the middle, but it's basically to break it down into the biggest buckets, right? It's things you can measure up through numbers and things you can measure um, in common themes and gathering information that can be actually highly individual. Now, yeah. obviously there are people who are super educated and have their PhDs and all kinds of qualitative evaluations. So I am grossly um, oversimplifying, but I think both are really important. Mm-hmm. I think it, time and time again, qualitative gets neglected instead of quantitative. Also, you have to be reasonable and look at your program. Yeah. But where qualitative and also that sort of that subset that could be either quantitative or qualitative, the process, sometimes 
process evaluation and qualitative get overlooked. And those can actually be the why the program succeeds or it doesn't succeed, yeah. right? Like if you have a program that has um, a, a fantastic after-school program, you've got uh, counselors trained and maybe you're serving uh, um, children from uh, neighborhoods or from different ethnicities that have been just completely excluded from a lot mm -hmm. of um, traditional programs, whether due to race or some other category. And so systematically un underfunded areas and they're coming in and you've got, um, you've got counselors that are highly trained, you've got all the activities, you've got all the things, um, but your outcomes maybe aren't what you thought or your attendance is not what you thought. If you're not looking at the why, mm -hmm. why aren't people able to come? Is it because transportation is such a huge barrier? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like you could measure pre and post around a specific curriculum or was there um, um, increases in awareness or knowledge or behavioral changes. But if you're group that that is going through the program is only half the size that you thought it would be based on your projections and the yeah. demonstrated need if you're not exploring the why why is that happening it kind of sounds i think it gets overlooked even though it's mm -hmm. super common sense that you'd want to know the why yeah but to be fair a lot of funders are wanting you to measure quantitatively all the time every time i'm suggesting whether or not they ask for it build it in to your program and you may oh, be going yeah. you just told us we were not evaluators i feel you i see you but i'm also saying that as a grant professional you can help drive some of those things and explain the importance of that in getting to the root causes of why things work and why they don't work yeah if that's if if that's an issue again if you are mainly writing equipment grants you know for fire trucks or for uh medical equipment mm -hmm. and that's what you do your evaluation is a lot simpler oh in yeah. most respects did you get it or not did you buy the thing or not yeah. however if they're not if you're looking at longer term what kind of equipment do you need and you're not building in some kind of feedback loop from the people that use the equipment mm -hmm. the people that the equipment serves the training around it the reliability all those kinds of things that people might think of like soft data yeah that's really necessary though, because you want to know: Do we mm -hmm. do, is this is this still the right purchase? Is this still the right training? Is the training any good? Do people learn anything? Do people go to the training? Where you know all of those things can be kind of that sort of softer side of evaluation, like customer satisfaction, client satisfaction, employee satisfaction. That kind of gets overlooked, but I feel like that's where the whys of things live: is actually finding out really why does this work or doesn't work, or how could it be better. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things. Um, you can cut that a lot of different ways in terms of your methodology. Um, focus style groups, focus groups themselves. I think it's, I mean, they have to be structured very specific ways yeah. um, in the academic sense. But if you're gathering people together to ask their opinions and it's facilitated by a person that knows what they're doing mm -hmm. and is reflective of the population or in some way connected and is able to do that and gather that information and transcribe it, you got some common themes. Um, could be observations. How, um, I'm getting back to the equipment thing, but it's like, how easy is it to use this? How are people using it? Did you get this, this great new improvement for your primary care clinic and no one uses it because no one knows how, or it's a real pain yeah. and you didn't know. Um, testimonials can be, um, you can gather those a lot of different ways. It could be 
it could be parents in the line picking up their kids from the after school program yeah. is one way is one way to, to talk about that. You can have, I'm working with a program um, right now in the program design phase where we're establishing the need, building the program, and then going to do the match, a matchmaking for grants and it's equine assisted learning. Oh, wow. So it's super, super interesting, super exciting. Um, and one of the things they want to build in, it's to help with student retention mm-hmm. um, at a college, particularly first generation students. So they're building in there and qualitatively there, if they have tablets or phones, well, I mean, hello, this is not the phone, but using that and having, you know, beyond recording selfies with the horses, because how fun will that be? It would be, you know, what was your experience, mm-hmm. you know, maybe before or after even doing like a TikTok style video, yeah. maybe without the dancing, because that might scare the horses. <laughs> Um, but an idea of building that loop into ways to gather information doesn't always have to be a checklist or um, a piece of paper on a clipboard, although it can be when Mm -hmm. you're asking someone's opinion. Um, Also, if you've written any grants before and done any kind of reporting, you're always asked for success stories, which I think is important, but I'm also like, what about the not successful stories? You know, that's, that's where you can get a lot of learning done. But, um, Depending on the size of your organization, you can gather that kind of information um, sometimes in conjunction with your marketing team. Yeah. Uh, because the same kinds of stories of um, people finding their ways, finding using the their own assets and what your organization provides to take a more po- another positive step in their lives. Those are the kinds of things that are helpful for um, funders or for people just interested in learning more about the organization, including people who might benefit from that. Yeah. My only, um, only like I only have one opinion, but I only have one thing to say about anything. How many have you met me? But um, I would say gathering and gathering success stories. Just you just really want to be mindful and compassionate yeah. and not pushing into someone's personal space and using their own, making them somehow relive trauma Yeah. Um, in the interest of a good story. Um, and this is not the, I know we, I know we have to get to so many other things, but I just yeah. want to put that out there. It's, it's not, you know, God, give me your best sob story or tell me about the time, you know, you were kidnapped and uh, just yeah. like, maybe well, I not. think it's in giving whoever you ask, making it being very clear from the beginning that they, if they don't, feel like it or if they don't want their story used because this wasn't for a grant but um i helped one of my clients i helped them do their annual report and sure. so there's always the the annual report the big middle feature story is usually someone who received services and how their life changed because of it and um one of the times the executive director had given a name to me mm-hmm. um and it was it actually wasn't her it was her mother that received the services and because her mother didn't speak english um, and so I was going to talk to the daughter who was an adult. Um, and she also had, there was another lady that kind of had helped their family and kind of mm-hmm. adopted them and were helping them with different things. Um, and she was very, she wanted, this lady was so excited to have her story told because she, it, it really was a beautiful story. Um, but when I explained to the lady from the get go, I was like, cause she was like, I'm just talking to you. And I was like, well, yes, but I'm writing an article that's going to be published here and it's going to reach this many people. It's going to be on the website. It's going to be here. And at that point, she was like, yeah, I don't think I want my mother's business out there like that. Fair. And, I, and I immediately I was like, that is absolutely OK. Thank I'm glad she got your, the help she needs. Thanks. And we, I'm like, I need somebody else. Now, the next 
gentleman's names they passed, he was he wanted the world to know about, you know, so it, but that's a personal choice. So mm-hmm. definitely, I think part of it is not just don't pressure them and just say and be respectful yes. even in the approach. Yeah. Because not everybody would want to share at that level and, mm-hmm. and respect that. And I think also I found it working directly with the direct service providers. Cause again, I'm coming yes. from a health and human service background and you want to respect all, all sorts of rights to privacy and everything, mm-hmm. but working directly with the people who are, are working with the clients is a good starting point. Yeah. Like I said, just explaining. And, um, mm-hmm. So when you move, it's, it's a little more cut and dried when you move into the world of quantitative and it's probably something that we're all pretty familiar with. I'm just going to just list out some right things. Off. Pre and post testing, right? Something before the program or intervention, something after looking at the difference. Could be performance reports, uh, case studies, where mm-hmm. you're just really going into in depth about a particular population or issue. Um, activity logs, again, tracking, that's sort of your that, numbers. That, the police information, the police story I told, that's yeah, activity logs is what Interviews, that surveys, questionnaires, and particular things that can be counted. Mm-hmm. Um, are things that are fall under the quantitative section. It's good to have a mixture of the two. As I said before, most funders lean heavily toward quantitative. My argument is you should also include qualitative to help get the program stronger. And Amanda has a story. Because I also think you need to look at, you know, what's the grant funding source? What's your program? What's your purpose? Because not everything is going to have this I can pre and post test or I can count these sorts of things, right? If it's a short program, if it's a, like, oh, if it's the having the equine assisted learning experience, just not as a semester long, Mm -hmm. but you're just, you're going in for one, three hour session to kind of, I'm not expecting big behavioral change from that, you know, but it could be, it could be a transformative experience, but it'd be kind of weird to have a formal and very expensive to have a formal pre and post and measuring self-efficacy and leadership development for three hours. Yeah. Well, the very first time I wrote a grant for, it was a summer camp program called Camp Happy Hearts. It is a summer camp for kids with disabilities, whether physical or mental or just a variety of disabilities. But these are just for kids who cannot go to the typical day camp because they just don't get the attention that they need. Um, And so Camp Happy Hearts was um, much more focused. You had one camp counselor for every four kids and said, normally it's like, one to 10 ratio, right? So it's much, they, they don't, you know, most camps, like I remember as a kid going, you'd you'd go to the pool all day, you'd go to the park, you kind of, there'd be a person that was in charge, but you're kind of running free. You can do that if you've got kids of a certain age and a certain expectations of behavior and need. I made a, I made a lot of lanyards, but I'm, I'm <laughs> yes. with you. I'm with right. you. But, and pot holders, but go ahead. Yes. I mm-hmm, covered lots of, lots of things, but for these kids, you couldn't do that. Right. right. So Camp was much more expensive. So we're anyway, so we're going after grants to help offset the cost of camp. Um, Well, the first grant we got was it was a county grant that just basically you could provide all kinds of services to county residents with Mm -hmm. this grant. And so the majority of our resident, our participants live in the county. Great. fine. Well, they wanted, you know, us to evaluate the program. They wanted goals and objectives to evaluate. Well, it's I mean. What do you evaluate other than kids got to go to camp that normally couldn't go to camp? And so I started talking to some of the program people mm-hmm. and the director of the program. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just kept coming back to these kids get to go to camp. They get to experience camp. That is what we're doing. And I'm like, yes, but 
we need something a little more tangible. It doesn't have to be anything like super scientific, you know, but, you know, for example, a lot of the kids that came to camp were autistic, you know, but we're not guaranteeing these kids are going to do well in school next year. We're not, we're not studying autism. We're not doing anything like we're letting these kids go to camp and have a good summer. Right. Um, so finally what I ended up writing was that, um, I want to say it was something like 80% of campers who attend camp four weeks or more during the summer. Cause a lot of kids would come the entire the summer. Time. Some sure. would just come sure. for a week, but some would stay for the whole summer. Um, but that they would improve their self-efficacy in some way, shape or form. And the way we measured that was we would talk to the parents and talk about what is something y'all are trying to work on. And it could have been, we're working on making eye contact when we speak to little mm-hmm. Timmy, or we're working on um, Sarah here needs to learn how to share or you know something like that and so that's what we would do is the counselors we had a report that they would do every day that, that would go home to the parents that would just kind of talk about like hey today here's the activities we did you know just yeah, stuff for sure. parents and at the bottom we added a observation of improvement and if little sarah made eye contact we would write it down now is that scientific does that mean sarah's going to make eye contact tomorrow too maybe not but we saw there was something we were working towards. Mm-hmm. We saw an improvement. We counted it. And our funder was fine with it because, again, it was like a $15,000 grant. It wasn't anything huge. Oh, heck yeah. It was a county grant that was just to, uh, you know, improve the lives of the residents. It was very wide open. So we were able to get away with that because of it's not all get, the things. I don't think it's No, I don't think away. it is. I, it, it fit perfectly it was, with it what fit we were doing. the scope of the grant. It's yes. not getting away with the thing. It's no. actually very creative. It is. Well, I'm not going to get a National Science Foundation grant. To do something like that, probably not. Which that's okay. fair that enough. That's that not the purpose. Exactly. So, again, yes, it's good to have a mix. Yes, you want to have this and that. At the end of the day, though, you've got to look at who's your funder, what's your program, what can you actually measure, and you got to go with it. It's true. It's true. Anyway, um, so evaluation reporting. Oh, is there something else? No, I think we're. I think we're good. So. Um, Kimberly mentioned this really briefly, but evaluation reporting, which this is when you've gotten the grant and you've got to do your usually monthly, quarterly, whatever reports to your funder. Um, usually they want to have some sort of summative and formative yeah. component. And easy to remember, summative is like summary. So at the end of every grant, you're going to have some sort of report that kind of highlights the whole mm-hmm. thing. And I've had some grants that only have a summative report because they're true. it's a small grant. It's maybe only six months or a year. The funders are like, just give us one report. We're good. I love those funders. I do, but I'm also arguing for internally. Oh, yeah. I don't wait. Oh, yeah. I I still collect stuff monthly because I'm not waiting until the end. But um, but the formative is those ongoing reports. Uh And so and funders usually want that because they want to see that there's progress. So don't be surprised and make sure when you're building your evaluation, you've got to think about both components because you don't want to go, hey. You don't want to get to the end, and if it was a roaring success or a failure, or if it was mediocre, you don't you don't know even know why. Yeah. Then what? Then so. there you go. So to take it to back up just a step, I just wanted to quickly go over some things to include when you're writing the evaluation sections. We yes. talked about the different kinds of evaluation. Yeah. Talked about the you know purposes, where to go, what to do, and all that. When you're writing the section, obviously it depends on the grant. How much room do you have? How many words do you have? How big is the grant? Um, will they pay, are they, is it, is evaluation a built-in component or do they just say, how will you measure success? Which is, you know, 500 words yeah. or 250 words or t- 200 characters. characters. Oh my God. <laughs> so obviously the key things to include is you want to let your funder know 
if you're hiring, if you're doing it in-house or you're hiring a third-party evaluator, it's a big old program. Chances are they're going to want you to hire a third party. Mm-hmm. But for particularly for private funding, it's just sort of here's how we're handling this. If you are hiring a third party evaluator, um, make sure to include the kind of skills that you're looking for. And the larger grants that may be in sort of the human resources personnel section, contract section, but just make sure that it also appears in a maybe a shortened form, depending on the application itself in the evaluation plan or the evaluation yeah. section of your grant. A lot of times they'll ask, have you already hired your evaluator? And if so, they want to know what their, like, what their, credentials, what their are. credentials are. And if you haven't, then you, then what is it you're looking for, right? Well, we don't have one, but we want someone that has this level of experience. And sometimes in the evaluation section, it's all together. They ask all the questions or it's very general. But wherever it is asked for, make sure that when you're mm-hmm. gathering your evaluation data, it matches or corresponds with the grant cycle and the request of the funder for evaluation. Yes. I always, I want my clients to know, and I want to, I, the, the um, direct service providers and program people to know my organization. We want to gather data in a way that makes sense for everyone so that you're not, well, we have to evaluate for the XYZ foundation. Okay. Well, um, this one is for the other, you know, this is for the Q foundation and they have a different, we're, we're looking at three separate things. If both of those grants are less than $100,000 each, you're tying up a lot of time. Yeah. So sort of coordinating that tying to back to the after school program. Well, that's going to be tied to the academic year. That's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. But looking at, you know, quarterly and monthly or weekly, whatever plan reporting that already exists. I try very, very hard to tie that to what the funder requests so that there's no duplication yeah. of effort, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, and share what you're measuring, obviously, and how you're measuring it. Yeah. Um, and right. I would say I always want to err on the be as specific as possible there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also a big fan of grant writing as a team sport, and you should not be Unless you happen to be have a PhD in evaluation and lots of experience and you're and you're writing grants as well. But if you don't know anything about evaluation, I don't know that having your client or your boss say to you, Well, you just make up something is gonna be the way to go. Probably not. Because I've even said, Y'all need to tell because I am from Atlanta, y'all need to tell me what it is you're doing because you do not mm-hmm. want me making it up. Because no, we like, can. Oh, sure. But is it but is it gonna be useful or feasible or reasonable? I don't know because I'm not running your program day yeah. to day. So just putting that out there that that's mm-hmm. that is a budget building is a time for that. Evaluation planning is a time for that. Program description. There's always time to have a grants team and get that good information. Absolutely. So, so what else do we need to know about reporting? The last thing I would say, yeah, when we you love report back to your funders, um, meet your reporting deadlines. You know, if it's due on the 30th of every month, try to get it in by the 30th of every month. Because again, I've never had a funder come to me and go, oh, you're two days late. I'm taking all your funding away. But I have come, I've had them say, you are two days late. And I have a, <gasps> oh yeah, they'll, they'll tell you. But, you're right, you're right. On it. Yeah, but to them, it's a, it's a red flag that like, oh, if you can't turn reports in on time, what else are you doing wrong? So at first it may be a warning, but then it may be a, hey, we're going to come do a site visit or, yeah. hey, I want to come look at your books or so. I don't ever want to give my funder a reason. They can always come, but I'm not trying to make In a positive them come. way, like come see yes. the successes and let's talk, yes. let's talk about lessons learned, but not, yeah. 
we don't think you're handling the money. Exactly. Um, You want to be honest in all your reporting. If things are not going to plan, that's okay. Like we talked about earlier, a funder is not going to come necessarily and yank it all away because things didn't go the way you thought they would go. I don't think I've ever had a grant go perfectly the way I wrote it. There's always something. Even, I mean, whether it's a weather-related issue. Or t- things or take longer. It takes longer takes, to hire people. Yes. Something's on back order or they stop making something. Or, or someone or, someone who was essential to the program gets sick and is not yeah. able to, to, you know, you have to make a change in personnel. It happens. So things happen. So just be honest because what you don't want to do is lie. Um, and I think we talked about this on one of our um ripped from the headline stories, but a couple of years ago, Duke University, they had some money to do research oh, on they lab had rats. Millions, millions and millions and millions of dollars. And because based on the reports they were doing, they were getting more grants to yep. continue the studies. Yep. Well, it turns out they were lying. They It was really one lady who was lying on the reports about what was happening in these studies. Um, and so they ended up having to pay back like $33.5 million or something. No, $116 million. I was going to say. It was $116 million. It was the whistleblower got $33.5 million for blowing the whistle. But that's a different thing. But again. Excuse me, I'm going whistle shopping. Bye. <laughs> but again, just be honest. And I've even had funders that will say, thank you for letting us know because we can fix this. We've seen this a hundred times. And, you know, a lot of times you're like, oh my gosh, we're the only one this has happened to. They're going to think we're horrible. No, we're human. Things go wrong. So be honest. And it's just better to share what's going wrong and let them help you fix it. Um, Because at some point, even if you are hiding it, at some point it is going to come to light because you're going to have to do a final report or you're going to have to prove something and you're not going to be able to. So why why lie? Because people are afraid they're going to take They are. And the money taken away. Straight up. Here's my quick story. um, I had a United States Tennis Association funding to do some free Spanish speaking tennis lessons. We had nobody sign up. Zero people sign up. I didn't even wait till the report. I called my funder immediately. I'm like, so this happened. I fully expected them to go, yeah, we're going to take our money back. But instead she was like, okay, what do you think went wrong? And we kind of brainstormed and she said, why don't you go back and talk to your program people, see if we can try it again. And we did, we did some different things. It was a beautiful thing. But I think the whole reason she was like, that's fine. is because I was just very honest, like, hey, this is going on. We did this <laughs> Help. It didn't work. Yeah. So um, just because you think it's unique to you, they've probably seen it a million times and they probably know how to fix it. So just submit your reports, do it on time, be honest in all things. And chances are, I'll be able to keep your money. Well, you won't keep the money. The money will go yes. out into the community. The way it's supposed to. doing good things. Absolutely. Because if you do keep that money, you will not be getting yes, money. Yes, no. That's not what I'm I know. That's not what I'm <laughs> but I guess if I were to summarize, which is always interesting for me to try and summarize, but I would say that evaluation, a lot of times it's like one of the last things that you fill out in a grant when you're really tired and the grant may be due and you're just mm-hmm. working behind the eight ball or whatever. But it's actually something much like sustainability and some other topics that it's it's worth it just overall exploration. If you are working, <coughs> and obviously we're talking about programs here versus you know equipment or, or other kinds of things, building in if you already know that you're going to need to write grants for these programs, now's a good time to talk about evaluation, not at four thirty when the grants due at five. Yeah, I mean it's just. Um, the better prepared that you are from information that you have gotten from the program officers, um, direct service providers, the more you are able to 
learn and 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 fashion that together, the yeah. better the better your answer is going to be. But more importantly, the better examined your program is going to be, whether it's something really simple or something super complicated. Absolutely. And speaking of evaluation, since that's what we've talked about today, now that we're 100 episodes in, 100, and we've established that we're here to stay, we'd really love some feedback about the show. And we're so glad that you continue and have continued. And if you were the, if you have listened to every episode of the show, you need to you need to send us an email at fundraisingheyday at gmail.com. Or you need to yes. find us on Twitter or something, because I got to know that. I want to know what, and I feel like we need to do something for this for these people, but we I don't know it yet. But I just, that would be amazing. I, of course, have listened to every episode, but I'm, it's kind of my job. Once, probably. It's not my <laughs> job. But um, seriously, though, whether you've listened to one or a hundred, if you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts if that's where you're finding us. Leave a review. Leave us some stars. I'm hoping there's going to be five, but do what, mm-hmm. do what the Spirit tells you to do. Um, if you're on Spotify, you can follow us. You can let um, your friends and colleagues know about the show. Um, and it, we, we met a fabulous lady recently from New Hampshire that she says she sends out like grant e-newsletters. Oh, I, I subscribed to her newsletter. She yes. sends out our stuff and it's great. That's great. It. It's free. Get it out there. Yes. Um, but if you cannot get enough of that heyday stuff, um, I'm sorry. But no, no, no. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I think it's great. Visit our. You can visit our new website, Heyday Services, H-A-Y-D-A-Y Services.com. Sign up for our newsletter and know about all the wonderful things that we are going to be doing together, all of us, yes. um, in the in the years to come. Thank you again to our season six sponsor. D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, dhleonardconsulting.com, to download their latest resources today. We're so honored you chose to spend time with us today. Be sure to join us for our next episode in two weeks. We're going to be talking with a colleague of mine from Dickerson Baker about major donors and working in the faith-based space. Absolutely. Interesting stuff. It would be good stuff. So Um, no glitter will probably be involved. No, I don't think so. But that's okay. It'll be great information. But glitter was fabulous today for our 100th episode. So thanks for being here with us for so long. Bye.